Welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central with Justin Matcham. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Blazing the Path, Grizz and Grind, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, and X's and O's NBA Breakdown, plus our coaching focus podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, and Bleachers and Boards. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham, in here with me tonight, Dan Glinski, Amadou So from King James Gospel. Dan, Amadou, how you guys doing? I'm doing great. You know, the Buckeyes won earlier. It's been a great day. Yeah. Um, just feeling feeling good. Thanks for having us. Amadou, especially. been a little while since we've had you on. I know we've had a little bit of an extended break there from the podcast, but um, glad to have you both back in here. Got a lot to talk about tonight. Um, the schedule has been released for the first half of the season up until the very beginning of March. Right up until the All-Star break, the quote-unquote All-Star break. It's just a break for everybody. That'll be March 5th through 10th. The schedule up to that point has been released. Uh, the Cavaliers play their first game, I believe it's December 23rd. Is it the 22nd or 23rd? I think it's the 23rd. The former Against, of what you said. Yeah. 23rd. 22nd or 23rd? Okay, okay, okay. 23rd. It is the 23rd against the Charlotte Hornets. Um, that should be an interesting game. Obviously, they have a couple preseason games before that, four to be exact, actually. But um, the Hornets are, I think, kind of a, a good team for the Cavaliers to face in game one. Um Two young backcourts that we're going to get to watch um, in Garland and Sexton versus LaMelo and Devontae. I think that'll be kind of a good test for the two young guards as far as seeing where they're at defensively. You know, I mean, these LaMelo and Devontae are both young, but, you know, those are two guys who you're going to have to... They're, they're not, you know, nothing in the, the offensive end. You know, that's going to yes. be a difficult defense assignment. So I think that'll be a good indicator and just overall a good indicator of where the Cavs are at as a team, because this is a team that heading into the offseason was, you know, kind of on even ground with the Cavs, I thought, as far as if you're looking at, like, power rankings and just overall talent on the team. Now, I think adding LaMelo and adding especially Gordon Hayward has put them on a tier above, but I still think the Cavaliers kind of aspire to be in that range, so it'll <laughs> be good to see how they stack up against a team like this in Game 1 that's probably on just a slightly higher tier than the East, just to, to kind of really see how they compete against a team like that, you know, on a team that is probably going to be at least trying for a play-in spot. Um, this is the type of team that you're going to have to beat. Um, any other things that stand out from this game in particular to you guys that you're just looking forward to, other than the fact that the Cavaliers will be playing a real basketball game that counts? No, just that backcourt, you know, battle, I'm, I'm really sad to see. Yeah, I'm. I think it'll be an intriguing matchup. Um, I, I think it'll be kind of fun to see where... Um, I guess like how I think there will be maybe some three yard lineups in there. Um, just maybe they, the, the Hornets put out like Terry Rozier, 
along with those two as well, and say like the Cavs had Porter at the three. I mean, we'll have to see with him um, if he's in there. Um, but I, I could maybe see like that being uh, just in spurts, and maybe they put Hayward at the four, and the Cavs maybe featured. Um, like it'll be fun to see how they are with or put out Nance. Uh, like those kind of matchups, I think PJ Washington and Nance will be. Um, interesting to see for stretches. Um, so, I, yeah, I think it, you hit the nail on the head. I think it's kind of a nice little indicator early on of, of kind of how the Cavs are, how competent game to, be, game to game they can be. Yeah, I completely agree. One thing I'm also going to be looking out for, obviously it's going to be Isaac Okoro's first game, and um, we'll have to see if he starts or not. But we might see, Gor- or not Gordon, but um, Isaac Okoro's first NBA matchup on the defensive end Coming up mm-hmm. against Gordon Hayward, which I think is going to be a, an outstanding, you know, kind of first test for him in the NBA. Yeah. A guy like that who, you know, I mean, he's not just a sheer, utter dominant force anymore, but a super smart player, super talented, who's obviously really good. He got a $30 million contract this offseason per year. But I think that that's going to be a really, really, really good kind of just outstanding experience for him if nothing else and a good indicator to see where he's at as well overall yeah just a a really good indicator game and obviously it's just one game you know you can take away from one game what you want obviously there's still plenty other games to play 71 to be exact in the regular season but um looking at the rest of the Cavs schedule as of right now again like we don't know the second half of the schedule but in December they also play Detroit Philly New York, Indiana, uh, they play 17 games in January, 14 in February, and then two in March before that All-Star break. They play Houston and Indiana. So a lot of Cavs basketball coming at us all at once after how many months of having absolutely nothing. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Uh, the Cavaliers were one of uh, f- like four or five teams, I think, that don't have a national TV game in this first half of the season. I'm sure they'll get one at least, you know, in that second half. I think usually they try to get every team at least once or twice. I think there's one. I think it's, uh, shoot, I can't remember who it is. Um, Do they have one? I think it is one. I want to say it's, I think it's like randomly like Valentine's Valentine's Day, sorry. Or um, on like a, at the Clippers, it looks like yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, really? I, th- yeah. I think I think that is yeah. I'm pretty sure. I think Fedor said it was too. Okay, maybe I yeah. I, it's, I saw a that, graph today. That, that looks to be the only one. Yes, which is very. I don't know what they were going with there, but um, okay. Yeah, that, well, that looks to be that. It's a 10 p.m. Our, I mean, our time tip. Yeah, which Eastern, okay, yeah, kind of random, but. Well, hey, I guess my information was wrong, and I'm happy that we get at least one. Um, again, I don't think it's against the Clippers. That's probably not going to be the best game in the world for the Cavs, but is, what are you going to do? Is Kawhi going to be playing in that one? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no. I would say, yeah, chances that are pretty slim. Yeah, probably not. But um, <laughs> looking at the Clippers, him and Paul George over-under on, on games missed this season, like – 20. Yeah, it'll, Do you it'll take somehow be... I might take the under I'd, on that. That's yeah, a little I'll high. I'll take the under on that one, considering they didn't make it really far in the playoffs. 
Yeah, they, uh, who knows? I, I'd say like 10 just because they need, I mean, just because based on, I think it was like the athletics report or I think it was like Jovan, I, I don't know how you pronounce the last name, Bua or Buha or something basically said that, yeah, like all how the chemistry issues and yeah, <laughs> but I, oh, I mean, Kawhi really yeah. needed to live in San, I mean, he needs to live in San Diego. That seems a little bit, yeah, I mean, I like San Diego, but. That's pretty like, far. It's not that bad, <laughs> Anyway, overall, the Cavaliers will have 300 fans in attendance. Obviously, there are a lot of teams that are going with no fans. The Cavaliers did decide to go with a limited number. I think most of them are going to be like friends and family of players and coaches, uh, season ticket holders, stuff like that. But there will be some fans in attendance, which is kind of nice that, you know, They'll probably still pump in the fake crowd noise, but at least we know that there are some people there. That's all we got for the schedule right now. Uh, we'll look ahead to training camp news. Obviously, that's what's going on right now. Uh, the whole preseason training camp, media week, all of that. One big thing that has happened here since training camp has kind of started up, the Cavaliers signing Thon Maker. Um, that's something we talked about a little bit last time, but I wanted to hear your guys' opinion on it as well. Um, Amadou, I know you're a big fan of yeah, Thon Maker. Yeah, my guy. Um, what do you make of the signing by the Cavs? Um, uh, not like a guaranteed it. training camp deal. Yeah. I like it. Again, it's a cheap contract, so I mean, you might as well. This is a very low risk potential high reward uh, deal. I mean, you know, Thon Maker, he wasn't a top 10 pick for no reason. Obviously, so far, uh, his career hasn't really panned out that just about how many people might have envisioned it. But again, he's a five who brings some sort of spacing. You know, he has a defensive and run protection abilities. And, um, he could battle uh, alongside McGee for that uh, backup center position. And another thing is McGee, we don't know how long he's going to stay here. I mean, he's a veteran. He's a, what, I think he's a three-time champion or something. So I really think, you know, at this point in his career, he looked to compete for a championship. So that's a guy we could potentially see moved at the trade deadline. If Thon Maker is still here at that time, he could definitely take over at that backup spot whenever that happens. So I really do like the signing. Dan, how are you feeling about Thon and Cleveland here? Well, I, I like it. Um, I mean, it, with a caveat in that um, I, I think he's kind of like a spot minutes guy. I mean, maybe not really an every game type guy. I, I think McGee could very well stick around um, through the deadline just because it seems like Drummond, there's a, a possibility at least that he could be a deadline piece, you would think. And I, I just th- I think McGee will kind of buy in. It seems like he's a guy that – um, seem would seem to be kind of one of those culture pieces. Um, seems like a good teammate, um, but I, I like I like Maker in the sense that, um, yeah, like there's some instances, yeah, he could be that kind of primary backup five in, in some matchups. But um, I, I really would like him with McGee at the four. I think that'd be an interesting wrinkle for the Cavs to have at times, and maybe they put in. Um, Nance at the three and, and kind of going on the defensive side in that way. So, um, and the kid's only 23. Um, he's a seven footer. Allegedly. For, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think for, there's, I think he could be like a pick and pop threat. Um, it's, it's just a nice kind of spot minutes depth piece to have. I mean, I would assume that there's a good chance he'd make the team. I'm not entirely convinced that he's going to make the team. Obviously, I'm a fan of the signing. I think if you look at you know the 
the, the limited holes on this roster now that you know it's pretty much set. I think you could use a third center. Um, you know, not having Jordan Bell here kind of leaves that open hole for a guy like Thonmaker. Um, like I said, I like the pickup, but I'm not entirely convinced that he is going to make the team. The Cavaliers have, with Dean Wade, 14 spots already taken up for the main roster. Uh, the Cavaliers could look to carry 15 into the season. Um, I think there are reasons that they could. Um, we'll get into those in a little bit. But the Cavaliers have also been a team that has favored just bringing 14 into the season mm-hmm. in the past, either for financial reasons or just for flexibility for making trades or you know picking up a guy you know after training camp has finished. Um, like kind of like what the Cavs did with McKinney, as far as you know, another team waves a player and there's someone you can scoop up. They just want to keep their options open. But yeah. I think Thon Maker is someone who you know. Looking at, you know, guys that might get waived around the league, is there really somebody better than Thon Maker? And especially, you know, at a position of need, considering that, you know, Drummond might get dealt, JaVale McGee might get dealt. And that's someone who, especially in another just kind of developmental year, you could just kind of throw him out there and see how he does. So, yeah, I think, you know, from that perspective, um, he's, in theory, he can shoot. Uh, hasn't really panned out as much as we would have thought. But... If that's something that can come along, I think that's a huge development for him. Someone who would fit into those big lineups well, I think, you know, on a team that likes to kind of experiment with this Larry Nance of the three thing, I think that, or without Larry Nance of the three, but I think he's somebody who would fit into that big lineup well. I think he can play a little bit of power forward next to a true center. I don't think that's where he's best, but I think he's capable as long as he can space the floor. Um, One quick question, though. If the Cavaliers want to keep Thon Maker and um, does also want to keep 14 roster spots open, would you waive Dean Wade, who is also non-guaranteed, to keep Thon Maker, Amadou? Um, yeah. I mean... Hmm. See, Dude. I kind of feel... I, I don't think I would. I think you just got, you know... You just got... Um, Dean Wade on a nice long-term deal yeah. that's all nine guaranteed. Yeah, okay. And personally, I'm true. a fan of Dean Wade, but I, that, that's something that I've seen out mm. there. He did sign an extension. You are correct. I don't... Mm. Yeah, probably not then. Um, unless that contract was maybe like an Alfonso McKinney type contract, you look to you know, use it in a trade somehow, but I mean, I don't think so. I mean, with Larry Nance and Kevin Love, how many minutes would really go towards Dean Wade? He's really he's really more just like a, a G League body or a training camp body. I don't know. I do I am really high on Thumbmaker, so I would, but of course, you know, Dean Wade does have that extension. I, I would go with yeah. I, I would definitely waive Dean Wade in hopes of keeping Thumbmaker. Dan, how you feeling on this one? Um I, I'm not I, I like Wade, I mean in theory. I, I think he just needs the ball in his hands a little bit like they 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 need to actually play him some um even if i mean obviously just be spot minutes but you gotta let him kind of make some things happen feature him in the mid post a little bit don't don't just use him as like a spacer um not that he can't shoot but i just think i'd rather keep him just to see what you have there maybe um because he's when he's actually like engaged I, I think if you gave him some real like legit minutes um 
allowed him to be in pick and roll with Delhi, at least like have some pop a little bit. Um, I'd like to keep both in, in that sense, just because especially with COVID stuff this year, um, I think it'd be better to honestly have a full roster at this point. I'm kind of in agreement there. And like I said, there's, there's more reasons for, you know, keeping a 15th guy that we can get into in a little bit, like I said, but yeah, I, I like the Thon Maker pickup. Um, if you're looking at other guys in the roster, obviously I'm a fan of Marquise Bolden. Uh, Levi Randolph is a fine pickup. I think he'll probably. I think his deal was an Exhibit Ten, so he'll be back with the charge. I like getting Charles Matthews. Um, he's also on an Exhibit Ten, so we can get him on the charge. See, you know how he does down there. Those are not guys that are going to make the roster this year, though. Uh, I, I hope that they keep Thon Maker again. The Cavaliers do like to carry 14 coming into the year, so that may be the sa- the case. But there, there is reason to believe this year that it might be different. So in that event, I'm with you, Dan. I, I would prefer to keep both of them. I kind of feel like if I had to choose between the two, though, I would wave Thon. Uh, like I said, I, I think it, it's too early to give up on him. You just gave him a contract, and you, you haven't really seen what he can do yet You know, on, on, a, on the floor. So overall... I like the Thon Maker signing. I, I'm thinking, like you said, it's it's a super low risk, moderate reward type of deal. So solid pickup by the Cavs. Obviously, it's a name that you know most people around the league know. So yeah, overall solid stuff. Getting to some other more um, training camp kind of media week reports news. Darius Garland is we were talking about it a little bit on the last pod, but apparently looking really good. Larry Nance said that he was far and away the best player in the bubble. Kevin Love said that he's definitely looking really good and just overall more confident. Kevin Love also, quick side note, was a finalist for the J. Walter Kennedy Citizenship Award. I think Malcolm Brogdon won it, but um, congrats to Kevin Love for that. Overall, though, with Darius Garland, he said he spent the offseason trying to change his body, um, doing a lot of different workouts, bike riding, running, exercising in the pool. He tried boxing. Wasn't necessarily about adding weight, just getting leaner and adding overall strength. Amadou, how are you feeling about Darius Garland right now after hearing you know, reports that we've been hearing? And have, has your opinion changed on him at all? How do you feel about you know what he could potentially be coming into the season? Yeah, I'm very excited to see what Garland could be. I always thought last season, I, I never really took last season that highly. I understand, of course, he was a fifth overall pick in a backcourt that, you know, for the backcourt to work, they're going to have to be, you know, crazy good offensively. But, I mean, if you just think about another circumstance in that Garland was, he tore his meniscus, I'm pretty sure, played five games in college, came in, was immediately put into the starting lineup, uh, playing what many people see as the toughest position in basketball as a rookie, you know, that's really tough. You know, that's really tough. Um, uh, talking about his body, though, we've seen he had that great uh, month in January, and then he sort of kind of plateaued. People said he had that rookie wall. I feel like some of that, you know, is going to change now because, um, like he said in an interview, um, he talked about how, you know, the season, the length of the season really got to him. So I like that, you know, he's working on becoming leaner. You know, he's exercising more. He's changing his, his eating habits, his diets. Again, into, as uh, Nemro has stated, I think Garland took out all candy and sweets out of his, or junk food out of his diet and everything. I just like to see that, you know, he's taking the authority or the steps to better himself as a player immediately. You know, it's been throughout the, this entire quarantine or 
the stretch where the Cavs weren't playing, we've seen Garland videos of him exercising, working out, working with coaches and doing a lot of different things to better his game. And I'm just overall excited to see what he can do this season. Yeah, you're hearing all of the right things about him. Like you said, he, he cut out, you know, fast food and sweets. He hired a personal chef, you know, to, to cook for him and to cook right for him. So, yeah, overall, we're hearing all of the right things about, you know, him changing his approach, you know, to the offseason as, as a player kind of and just changing his approach to his body over, overall. Dan, how are you How are you feeling? How is your opinion of, you know, what he could be this season changed based off of what we've heard lately? Well, I, I don't know if it's necessarily changed. Um, I, I'm kind of with Amadou in the sense that uh, last year, I mean, the chips were kind of stacked against him. Um, I think this year it's it's really going to be nice to have um, co- more competency at the head coaching position. Um, it, it seems like as last season progressed, his his passing feel really did um, kind of show more uh, more growth there. Um, the key with him, I just think this year it'll be him really being able to change speeds. I think kind of like how Colin Sexton was able to last year. I think we'll really see that now with him really um, kind of fully hundred uh, percent. And I, I just think for him, I think it's the pull up game really. I, I think it'll pay off for him to um, kind of have that more quick, explosive quickness. More, I think we'll see more kind of quick twitch at times. I think that should help him um, kind of not so be so reliant on a, on a floater game. I think it'll. I think he'll be able to kind of initiate contact a little bit more. Um, I just think. The key with him is he's got to get to the free throw line um, more than he did last year. Um, I think that's really a point of emphasis. But um, I, I think the key with that is I, I just hope off-ball screens defensively he can get through more. Um, I, I think he'll be able to kind of deal with bigger bodies uh, on that end of the floor. Um, and if he can be more competent from a, a team defensive standpoint and, and – um, kind of staying attached in those situations, which is is so difficult for a young guard. Um, I, I think that'll really pay off. Yeah, I agree. And just you, you talk about getting to the rim more. The spacing should be better this year with a guy like Windler in there. Exactly. Sexton obviously going to you know keep being what he is as a shooter. Hopefully, we can get an entire healthy season out of Kevin Love. Larry's going to keep shooting better. Jetty can shoot. I think the spacing is going to be improved this season. Obviously, you know, reports from camp were that he was looking shiftier, that he's looking more explosive, that he's in better shape, that he's stronger. And just overall getting his confidence back, I think, is going to be huge, which it's sounding like he he does have more confidence coming into this season, trusting his body more, which is understandable. Coming off a knee injury, you might be a little bit hesitant, especially in your rookie season in the NBA where you're already kind of a small fish in a big pond, you know. So overall, yeah, I we're hearing all the right stuff about Darius. Another thing that I think is going to be really important to him is just his ability to be a floor general, um, especially playing next to Colin. I don't think that we're going to see a whole lot of progress on the defensive end. I still think that's going to be really, really rough this year. But overall, just showing the ability to really be a, a true point guard, I think is going to be really important for him. So, you know, aside from, you know, just the... The attacking and the scoring, which I think is going to improve, you know, drastically this year. It's just the other assets of his, not assets, but, you know, facets 
of his game that I'm, I'm really looking to see, you know, what he's done to work on those. And obviously he still has time. I think any progression this year would be good from him. And I think we could really see some serious progression. So I, I also think it'll really uh, allow the Cavs to play to at a quicker pace. Uh, Amanu highlighted that in a recent piece. Um, that, that to me would be uh, along with him. Uh, I, I think that'll really pay off um, from that standpoint and kind of the um, open floor and or secondary um, transition. I think Bickerstaff will want him to, to push it and kind of run and gun a little bit more and just be more aggressive. Uh, yeah, that's, that's another good point with Colin and, Okoro, you know, someone who can really run the floor well. There are going to be guys. Dylan Windler can cut. Jetty obviously can get on the open floor and run. So having Darius be able to do the same thing would, would, yeah, again, be a really, really nice development. Looking at another story from training camp here, the whole st- this whole small forward final starting spot debacle between Isaac Okoro, Jetty Osman, and Dylan Windler all fighting for that starting small forward spot. Um, Bickerstaff has said that you know he wants to be putting a player in the best position to succeed. Um, he's going to use this preseason to experiment. Um, he'll probably make his decision as who his starting small forward is by the end of the preseason. He said like by the third or fourth game. I still think my opinion hasn't changed here that it'll probably be Jetty, just because again with such a short turnaround and Dylan not having any NBA experience either. I just think. They're going to play it safe to start. Again, Bickerstaff saying that he wants to put the players in the best position to succeed. Unless he really feels like Okoro is ready, I just, I, I'm just i not sure that throwing him in the starting lineup in game one is necessarily putting him in the best position to succeed right away. How are you feeling about that, Amadou? Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, we touched on this the last pod or two pods ago that I was on about yeah. You know, the rookies have, what, a month or something like that to, to train. There's no summer league. Um, it, it's just it's it's a very, very short turnaround. And, again, like you said, if Bickerstaff wants to put these players in the best position to succeed, I just feel like giving Okoro 30 minutes a night already, I just – and, you know, but Okoro, you know, he's he's not you – know, his mindset is, is crazy. You know, he could probably do it, but um, I don't know. I feel like – I feel like, yeah, Osmond would probably be that for now at least. No, of course, I believe that will change. But, um, yeah, I'm in, I'm in agreement with you on that one. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. What is the case for Windler, Dan? I, I, I know that Windler is going to be, you know, in the mix at small forward this year, but what is the case to start him over both of these guys? 
Well, I, I really don't think this year, I think it makes, I don't think it really makes sense to start him. Um, I, I think after the year, you see how he, how he did, um, you evaluate it further from there. Um, I think he definitely has kind of starting potential, but I, I think he's, I, I don't think there's much of a case early on, at least, um, just because he didn't play at all last season. Um, I got to see how he does um, when it comes to adjusting to the speed of the game. Um, How is he going to respond to guys kind of grabbing and holding him off the ball? Um, Can he, can he create with others? Is he a ball mover? I I think he can do all those things, but um, just kind of as you guys have hit on um, just the matter of, of kind of the, how things are initially, I think it's going to take him a couple games at least to kind of, um, kind of get his feet wet, um, and use the, uh, the other pieces on the floor. So, um, I, I wouldn't think there is a Coro's case would be more to me earlier on just because he's, um, I, I know that obviously there's a quick turnaround, but just because, um, given his, his frame, I think he's, he'll be able to start and, or would be able to start more so, but yeah, I just think it'll be Jetty at the end of the day um, on opening night, just because of the, I guess, how everything has, has been this off season. Yeah. I, I've seen, you know, a lot of people suggest that, you know, maybe Dylan Windler is going to kind of get out to a fast start. I kind of disagree with that. As far as this season goes, I think obviously he's had time to train and get healthy this off season. And the case is that, you know, he's an older rookie that, you know, coming into the draft, he was, you know, one of the more NBA-ready guys. But I just think spending that much time away from fast-paced, high-level, you know, regular season basketball, I just think it's going to take him a little bit of time to get up to speed there. I think the shooting will translate right away. But as far as everything else, I'm just not sure if it's going to be 100% there right away. I don't think that he is going to be the starter. The case for him to be a starter is... Jetty is noticeably regressed during camp, and you really, really just don't want to start Isaac Okoro because you just don't want to rush him into the role, so you go with Windler. Other than that, I just I don't see the reason for it. Um, I, I, it's fine to have him in the mix. Again, competition is always good. You want Windler playing as hard as he can, trying to earn that starting spot. So I don't have a problem with you know him being in the mix there, but ultimately I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I don't think that's really – I mean – They'll, I mean, saying it publicly is one thing, but I don't think behind closed doors that's there, there's really that much of, of that talk. Just because JB previously also said that, um, basically that Dylan, I think it was like during the like mini bubble or right after, like we need to temper expectations just because it's been so long since he's played too. Yeah. Looking at another thing that JB was kind of talking about was just with the whole rotations, um, he wants to have a, I think he said he prefers a 10-man rotation, could be 11. What do you think is the opening night rotation for this team? Um, if, if it's if it's going to be 10, I think it has to be Garland, Sexton, KPJ, Windler, Okoro, Osben, Nance, Love, Drummond, McGee. That's 10 guys right there. Obviously, there's guys like Dante Exum and um, Damian Dotson. Yeah, even Matthew Delvadova, who knows? Um, but overall, do you, what, where do you see the number of people in the rotation being at 
on game one, Amadou? Yeah, I thought you said 10, and then you said we could see some spot minutes for like an 11th player. I feel like it could be 11 with those 10 guys you said, and then, you know, some minutes here and there for maybe a Damian Dotson or a Deli. I don't really know if, you know, Exum will play much, if at all, honestly. But yeah, I'd agree on those 10, and then we see minutes here for Deli and see minutes here for Dotson. Any disagreement there, Dan? No, not really. I I, I don't think Delhi we're going to see all that often this year, but um, when, when he's out there, we, we know what he'll bring. But I, honestly, I think Dotson could be kind of one of those guys that um, I, I know fans probably don't love hearing this all the time, but uh, he, he battles at, at the two and three. Um, I, I think we could see him kind of as a guy in that um, at times kind of with – it could be in the mix at the three, even just because he he moves out the ball so well. And defensively, he's he's pretty solid. He's I mean he's he's a pretty built, put together two ten. Um, has I mean he's at six five isn't huge um, for that, but I think he frankly could just based on his build kind of hold up a little bit more against threes and Porter. I agree with you, Porter. I think is just. Porter's a little bit, you know, more wiry than Dotson. Like right. you said, Dotson is just a little bit more put together. Um, he's also, overall, I mean, he's considerably older too. Yeah, and that, that's another good point. But um, just looking, yeah, I think if there is going to be an 11th guy, I think, I, I do think that Exum is at least going to get a shot this year. Again, yeah, I've I said know. in the past, I've said in the past, I like <laughs> what he brings. I think having another defensive guard in there is valuable, even if it's in spurts. Bringing in a guy like Dotson makes me have a little bit more doubt there just because, obviously, we know what Dotson brings. Can I just but ask you a quick question, though, while you're on the subject? It, go for it. So do you think that it's smart to uh, extend Exum, like, right away? Would you just extend him? If it's – oh, okay. So, like, preseason, give him an extension? Yeah. Not a guaranteed extension. I, okay. I think he has to so prove like that he can stay healthy the whole season. A non-guarantee or just straight non-guarantee. I think it would if you're going to extend him, which I wouldn't do. I think it would be like a one-year extension and then like a second-year team option or non-guarantee or whatever. Gotcha. But um, yeah. With the next extension, I don't think that's something they're planning on doing before the season starts. Or nor, nor do I. It's just I feel yeah. like it's if if you actually think he is a guy that you want to play. At least they say they kind of want to play him. I, I mean, it might take a little bit of pressure off him just because I don't know. I mean, is like ideally in theory, I'd, I'd think Exum could be a guy you could maybe get like a standard, like G- Kobe Altman, like 20, 30 second round pick. But I, I don't know if he's, I don't even know if he'll be able to like warn a second round pick. I think I don't think he's really even a trade piece. I think if he okay. if he plays well this offseason or not this offseason, but this season, I think the Cavs will probably look to keep him. And if okay. he doesn't, it's probably because he's gonna get hurt. And gotcha. if that's the case, then nobody else is gonna want him. I think they're gonna play it out this season, see what they have. You know, if if he's not playing well and he's out of the rotation, I don't see anybody else taking even a flyer on him for a second. Um you know, maybe he matches salary, and that's how he gets out of here. But I don't think someone's going to trade particularly for Exum. As far as what the Cavs are doing with him, I think this is just going to be another trial run year, kind of what it was last year. Maybe not as many opportunities, but it's just going to kind of be 
if he can stay healthy the whole season, then kind of go from there. But I don't think an early extension is in the cards. Even as much as I like Axum, I don't see that being a real possibility. That's fair. Looking at some other stuff here, though, uh, another thing that Bickerstaff kind of noted was that uh, we could see, um, and he said he's still considering it and still kind of talking with the coaching staff as far as both sitting Love and Drummond this offseason. I keep saying this offseason. I'm so used to the offseason. It's almost the season. But in back-to-back situations when they have two nights in a row of games, both Love and Drummond could be sitting in those situations. Um, Bickerstaff stated that it's unfair, unreasonable, and dangerous to expect them to carry a massive load like that right away. In that situation, I think that is where you get the minutes for guys like Dotson and Axum. I think you can, you know, I mean, obviously you're replacing bigs with guards, but I think Okoro can play down if needed. Uh, Love has obviously bulked up this offseason. He could play some five. Nance can play some five. You still have McGee. Osman, I think they could try to experiment more with at the four. Whether that works or not, we'll see. But overall, I think that's where we're going to see the bulk of minutes for guys like Exum and Dotson. So I think they both will get you know their fair share of minutes. We'll just have to see how exactly it comes. But in, in my mind, that's kind of you know the the route to you know them both playing because I don't think that either of them are going to be out of the rotation completely this year, especially not Dotson, who they just inked to a two-year yeah. deal. Any any additional thoughts there overall? Um, I just... Well, I, no, you can go I just have a quick question for Amadou. Yeah. Um, how, how viable do you think... Like, do you really see... Um, like, do you see Porter at the one, like, for stretches as a viable thing at all? That's my thing, because... We're talking about, you know, these lineups and such. I don't think Kevin Porter Jr. at the point guard position is the is a definitive thing. I feel like that's a thing that Bickerstaff would look to do in stretches at some point to experiment with. So that's why I think a guy like uh, a Deli is going to play probably a lot more minutes than we're kind of expecting him to play. And I don't know if see cuz if we're if we're playing in a backcourt I don't, I don't really like the fit of Exum and Kevin Porter Jr. Because I feel like when you have Kevin Porter on the, Jr. on the floor, you'd want him to be an on-ball type of guy. You know, you want him to orchestrate the offense and such. And I feel like it worked better with Delhi or Dotson, maybe even at the at the one or two or three, whatever, than, than an Exum would. That's why I feel like Exum, I, I just don't know what his spot would be on the team. You know, you do say he, has, he brings that defense, but how much better of a defender is he than Dotson? That that's a good question, and then, and then we know Dotson is a much 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 better offensive player. You know, Dotson brings that shooting that Exum doesn't. So, yeah, that's just. I think um, that's a fair point. Yeah, I think that's a, you're saying that if Kevin Porter Jr. is on the floor, he's going to be the focal point of the offense. Yes. Yes. I, at least I would assume. See, I think so. that's. I think that's kind of where you make your case for Exum over Delvadova because I think. Del Vadova is kind of another one of those guys that's only really worth putting on the floor if he can orchestrate the offense, kind of. I mean, obviously, you know, he can bring what he brings on defense. And overall, he's a smart player. But I think that's where you can play Exum is next to that primary ball handler. He can kind of just be the guy who picks up the tougher defensive assignment. Um, I think he's a competent enough catch-and-point three-point shooter, more so than Delhi. So that's kind of where I make the case for Exum. And I understand the point for, you know, I understand the case for Del Vadova as well. 
But overall, that's and I, and I think you make a fair case too with you know is Dotson really that much worse than Exum on the defensive end? I think that Exum is better, but I don't think it's, it's that better, by yeah. that wide of a margin overall. Yeah, but I think I don't know. I think with Porter at the one, it's almost like you put him there. Um, I, I think it will happen a fair amount just because I think you can put Windler at the two there, and then maybe you have. Um, Okoro and or like I'd probably have Okoro at the three um, and then you have like Nance at the four like that that helps from a team defensive standpoint and then but I, I just I'm kind of with Justin here like Delhi if he's playing I mean he's he's going to be orchestrating for other guys he's going to be um, operating rolling throwing those lobs to McGee or whoever or spraying out um, I, I just I don't really know like but when Porter's at the one, it's not like he's when I say he's at the one, it's not like he's orchestrating all yeah. the time for other guys. Like I still think it's it's more just like like all you really need him to do out of that spot just because of how athletic he is and his handle, like I just think that could really unlock some things for stretches. It could be like kind of a nice wrinkle to have. Um just just because like if you have Windler out there with him, I think like him and Windler would have a really good two man game. And, and honestly, Windler can kind of be like a secondary. It could just be like a playmaking by committee type. And yeah. the problem with Exum is like, I just really don't know what he like. He doesn't bring anything offensively. Like, I, I just feel like we know like he's a an OK straight line driver and he gets to the line some. But I just don't really see the point in playing him because defensively like in theory he's like a big guard type but and his size isn't bad but is he really like an impact defender i I just i question like why you'd even be giving a meaningful minutes at this point i I just i'm just i really am not sold on eczema at at all i I don't know maybe i'm just i'm just kind of spitballing here but i just i don't see the point in giving him minutes really i think we'll get those answers you know that's We've been talking about it for so long in the extended offseason. I think we're we're going to get those answers as to whether you know he is worth putting on the floor. And I think well, is with, he an impact with defender Dotson, with Dotson, the signing of Dotson too, like that. And that 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 does kind of signal that maybe they are looking to move away from him. I just feel like with Exum, is he an impact defender? Not necessarily a, a big plus. I think just having a guy that's competent in He's the backcourt with that's fair. with Garland and Sexton can be like, an important I, thing. I, I, I like Exum in the sense that I think he, like, in some spots, yeah, like, it'd be a nice kind of guy to have. But I think, like, he seems like a good dude. I think he'll really help Porter specifically and Windler, like, with, like, their, like, behind the scenes. Like, he's a really smart defender. Like, I I like his rotational sense. He's, I mean, kind of, like, I know he's kind of fragile, but he plays like very, he's an active team defender. Like I, I think that's that in that sense, he's good to have, but I just don't know how much you can really play him. That's fair. And with, with Dotson here again, we'll, we'll have to see, we'll find out soon, but that, that is an indicator that maybe they are looking to move away. One other thing, which is just talking about, you know, the whole love and Drummond, you know, p- potentially sitting out games that's another reason to bring in Thon Maker. Yes. That's 
and that was the, the point that I was alluding to earlier as, you know, another big reason to to keep him or to keep any center, but preferably, I mean, him, why not him? He's a young guy who can potentially stretch the floor at that position. I, I don't think you're going to find much better on, you know, guys that are getting away from other teams. In a season like this with COVID being a thing and with guys potentially being out and you not wanting to overplay your stars or quote-unquote stars, <laughs> who just so happen to be big men and Love and Drummond, having more depth at the center position especially is going to be important this year. So for the reason to keep Thonmaker on the roster, I'm pretty much sold at this point that they should. Um, we'll move on kind of from, from training camp news. That's all I really have. Anything else you guys have to say before we kind of move on to some other stuff here? I actually wanted to touch on something I was thinking about while you guys were talking about Exum. Sure. Bickerstaff did say that, you know, for the small four position, whatever, he wanted to put the players in the best position to succeed. And I'm thinking about Okoro. Wouldn't his best position to succeed be in that starting lineup with those offensive threats? Because I feel like in his rookie season, he probably, he's not a guy, I, I mean, I don't think he'll, he'll do much. Well, he, he will do some, of course, you know, he's a sneaky playmaker. But I feel like primarily he'll probably be like that off-ball slasher, that cutter type of guy. I feel like if you play him in the starting lineup alongside Garland, Sexton, and Love, where the defense has to pay attention to those guys, that's where he can get those those cuts, those, you know, the slashes. You know, we can potentially, you know, Garland, Sexton, sometimes even Love. Love is a pretty good playmaker for a power forward. They can find him open for three and such. That That's just a little thing I was thinking about while you guys were talking about Exum. So maybe Okoro could be that starter to start the season. I think that's a fair point. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, I just I, I think it's it's that. Um I think he'll I think he'll honestly mesh with Windler a fair amount, but um we'll have to see as far as the minutes for him. But yeah, you make a good point there too. Um I, I just think with uh, we'll see eventually. I, I just think offensively, like if if he were to play alongside those key on ball guys um, with love, I, I just think he's a guy that in Auburn, they they didn't really allow him to do a whole lot. And I mean, it was most of his production was kind of from transition, um, kind of like a grab and go type guy. I, I think it's an, another his presence, I think, will really allow them to like, I, I understand he's not the shooter of Jetty off the catch yet, but I I mean, I don't know. With in the NBA, I mean, guys benefit. He's just a guy I think that'll really benefit from the space, and we we will have spacing this year, and he'll benefit from Drummond as a roller. I, I think he'll be able to get a lot of cuts off off ball there. Um, I, I I really like him as as a situational roller too. I, I think just because he's a good passer out of that, um, and finishes so well at the rim. I think Jetty, like that's something that really leaves a lot to be desired. Just not a great finisher and just doesn't really play through contact that well. And he's not small. I mean, he's bigger than a Coro, so it's it's kind of weird. But yeah, I'm with Amadou there um, 100%. I just think that's that sort of thing. Also with the defense will be, uh, that's why I think he'll jump into the starting lineup pretty soon. And I'm kind of in agreement with you. The point I was going to make was I think, if he's not the day one starter, it's not it's, long before yep. he is the starter. I think it's going to happen pretty quick, even if he's not the day one guy. I, I, I'm in agreement with you, as I think, you know, 
his fit with those guys is really, really pretty dang good. I mean, it's great as far as what his skill set provides, how he can help others, and how others can help him. My only, you know, concern is, again, just is he up to speed yet? Which maybe he is. We haven't been watching him in training camp, and that's going to be something that the coaches decide. And if they decide that they do want to go with him, I will believe in their choices, and I'll believe that he is up to speed. But just with the, the quick turnaround, I'm a little bit cautious there. And that's kind of where, you know, I just think throwing him in there and he's not up to speed and he doesn't know exactly what he's doing, that's where I'm a, a little bit cautious. But with a guy like Okoro too, who I do kind of see as an NBA-ready defender, maybe that's not the case. You know, in a, in a normal offseason, I think he's definitely the starter. It's just he's had so little time to prepare. I wouldn't be surprised if it is Jetty. I think he might be giving Jetty buckets in training camp, though. I mean, <laughs> he might be, yeah, and or Windler. But I just again, it's it, it's no all three of those guys. I mean, how they're not really like key on ball players, but I, I think of the three, Windler will be kind of the most this year um, when he's out there. But yeah, it's I just if they unless something unless Jetty like is killing it for 15 games i I just i think it's pretty soon before he's more of a bench guy agreed what do you guys think of the city jerseys i've talked with it with zach weiss on the last podcast haven't got a chance to talk to you guys about it since we've have um at least haven't had a chance to talk to you guys about it on the podcast here amadou we'll start with you what are your thoughts on the jersey what are your thoughts on the court design? I really like the court design. Um, I like the gray a lot. But um, what are your initial reactions yeah. to seeing this? Um, the court design, I really like the court design. I think it's nice. You know, I like the gray. Um, it kind of gives off a vibe of like that uh, that Nets court. I forget what it was called, but they had the gray and I, stuff. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought the same thing. Yeah. The jerseys, though, I'm kind of iffy on them. I feel like, I, I don't know, I get the message that they're trying to, you know, provide with that and everything you know cleveland the the rock that but i feel like i think they were trying to do too much you know you're trying to get the the lettering you know is symbolic of certain different band groups and stuff like that i don't know i'm not really a big fan of the jerseys i don't know i think i like them but i don't but the court i I want to i love the court the jerseys i got mixed reactions on dan how are you feeling about all of it well yeah the court is sweet uh, I think everybody will be a fan of that, but oh man, those jerseys are—they are a gentleman's D, and that's pro- like you can't tell me anybody behind closed doors thinks like, oh my god, these jerseys are so cool. Like those look awful. Like just like I don't know what in the hell that those things are horrible. I'm sorry, awful, and. Don't tell me that players like them. I, Larry Ant said that they're they have to be the coolest uh, city jerseys of teams thus far. Like, dude, no. Like, don't 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 tell me that was straight face. Just don't. Um, the 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 symbolism of them is really cool. That's that's very neat. I, I mean, I get it, but the actual execution of them is a travesty to say the least. That's exa- yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, it really is a great idea. Like, when I first saw them, 
I was like, what on earth is this, you know... Because it really, it, it looks terrible. Like I said, I will not be getting a, a City Edition jersey this year. It really looks really, really bad. You know, it's it's the epitome, or I guess it's on the inside that counts. I guess that's kind yeah, of what they're, yeah. they're getting at there. And so. for creativity points, like you get you get an A, you know, for creativity. Like the, the idea is really a good one. It's yeah, just... For sure. You, you didn't execute and... Overall, yeah, it's just, I don't know, to go from last year's City Edition jersey to, which I loved, to, to go to this is... Well, who designed Eesh. that, I'll, I'll have what they're having. Yeah. <laughs> Overall, though, we have the court. I love the court. Uh, like you said, that, that gray kind of gives that Brooklyn Nets vibe, that you know the, the court that they had a couple seasons ago. And I, I think that... We're going to have that at least. Again, it's a shame that they're going to be wearing those jerseys on the court when they have it. But anyway, just wanted to kind of hear how you guys were feeling about that. That was another thing that Zach really, really liked the jerseys overall. We disagreed about that. All right. Uh, Zach, uh, I'm sorry. I, I know you're good. You're the, you're, the be- you're the best. But let's be a little – Zach's not the most subjective when it comes to the Cavs, so. Just getting that <laughs> off my chest, but we love you, Zach. He tends he tends to be optimistic. Yeah, but um. Anyway, just a couple other quick little notes here. I wanted to hit on. I actually I forgot to hit on this last podcast. Um, the Cavs have hired an assistant coach, Greg Buckner. Um, he worked with both. He worked in both Houston and Memphis with Bickerstaff. He's a ten year NBA vet. Played for Dallas. Philadelphia, Denver, Minnesota, Memphis. Um, other than that, do either of you know anything about the guy? I really don't. I think it'll be. I think it'll help for the young guards. He was a solid defender, um, solid perimeter defender, um, gritty, uh, kind of like a spot man. It's Tony Allen. No, I'm joking. But he was he was a solid <laughs> defender. I think it'll I think it'll help from a, like an IQ standpoint for for Colin and Darius for sure. If that's what he brings, then yeah, absolutely. I think that would help out there. Uh, one last thing I kind of did want to go over was Tristan's kind of goodbye that he had on Twitter to the Cavs saying, Cleveland, what a ride has been from the first day of my career that I arrived in Cleveland. As a 19-year-old kid from Canada, I received nothing but love and support from the entire city. Cleveland will forever be embedded in my heart, and I will always cherish the countless amount of memories I've made over the last 10 seasons. From getting drafted to four straight finals appearances to winning the 2016 NBA championship and bringing a well-deserved ring to the city of Cleveland, I'd like to thank everyone in Cleveland who was a part of my journey, including everyone who works at the queue that helped make my family feel at home every game. The grit and toughness that I developed playing for a city like Cleveland will forever be instilled in me. I just wanted to read that for anybody who may not have gotten a chance to see it. God, it sucks to have that guy gone. I mean, I think they've they've bounced back well, but it sucks. I'm still, still, still disappointed. I guess I should say. Yeah, people nationally really don't appreciate what Tristan did for for so long. But um, such a such a competitor. Um, I, I really don't. I mean, looking back, I would not have thought that he would have lasted as long as he did in Cleveland. I mean, I, I was rolling my eyes when we drafted. I'm not going to sugarcoat that, but um, really got everything out of him and more. Yeah. 
up until maybe the trade deadline last season, I thought he'd retire Cavalier. Um, obviously, I, I mean, that could still happen, of course, but, you know, we'll always have that little short stint in Boston. Yeah. Any, anything else from either of you before we get out of here? Anything you got to get off your chest? Well, Delhi's not going to be uh, – uh, what was the – Oh, he was going to – Oh, he's uh, not going to uh, be a – He's not the What's face the, of that Australian the, team. Yeah, I can't remember. That Australian team. Hold on. We're, we're going to find this. Hold yeah. on. I'm, I'm going back through my all, old notes. That was it. We're going to find the name of this. The, the Jack Jumpers. Yes. Where did they oh, play? That's it was right. the Jack it was Jumpers. A great name. It was a great name. Yeah. Yeah. Delhi has turned down the offer to be an Australian legend and maybe has next said, year, Jack, decided to Jack be a Cavalier Jumpers. legend. Maybe next year. <laughs> Yeah, how about Delhi living in uh, living in an Airbnb temporarily too? Yeah, like what the hell is that? I thought he said um, he lived in an Airbnb temporarily. Yeah, I think he said like he Apparently. was preparing to like leave Cleveland, so he emptied out his apartment or whatever. And then of course he resigned. Okay, I did see that. Yeah, I don't know if he still is. I can't remember on that, but that that'd be something else. Like having like Gary Delhi like stare, stay in your Airbnb, like <laughs> crushing Miller lights, like that'd yeah. be funny. Yeah, I know that he also had interest from the Lakers this offseason. That was somebody that they were targeting at one point. But, yeah, um, I, I don't know how much I really believe that. Eh, I mean, looking at, I mean, they just brought in Quinn Cook. I, yeah, I believe yeah. it. I believe yeah. that they were looking at Delhi, especially him being you know connected to LeBron. Yeah, that's yeah. I guess yeah. But um, shout out to Delhi for staying. Sorry, Jack Jumpers. Maybe you'll maybe you'll get another. Australia, maybe maybe Thon Maker won't work out, and he can go back to mm-hmm. Australia. You True. never know. But with that, well, thank they can you everybody have, out there. Well, we'll they go, can go, have, go, go, go ahead. They can have Dante. Go ahead and get Dante. Go or ahead. He, yeah. Go ahead. If Dante. Well, if Dante can stay healthy, you can have him. I guess. But I don't if care he stays if he can healthy, stay healthy. They can have him. Well, they don't want him if he's not healthy. If he's not yeah, playing, they'll be healthy him. enough. He'll give him six games. He'll get twenty-eight I, points in a quarter, and that'll be it. Sell the jerseys, yeah. But with that, thank you everybody so much for listening. Dan, Amadou, thank you as always for coming on. If you enjoyed, listen to another episode and subscribe so that uh, you don't miss future episodes. Rate, review, five stars, leave a positive review, all that good stuff. And uh, we will see you next time. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.